Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following content is not suitable for children. So I grew up with the blessing of having young women that I could talk to about sex. I mean, we talked about sex all the time. And girlfriend, it's just you and me today, and I want to talk to you about sex. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. So... First of all, please join George and I at our retreat on May 20th. You can find us at foreplayradiosextherapy.com. And we're going to do some really cool exercises. George and I have been working really hard on our assessment and trying to really focus on the holistic way people make love. So their body, their emotions, their spirit, and their erotic thoughts and we're going to present to you kind of an opportunity with your partner to talk about things you may have never talked about. I I worked with a couple recently and they just they don't talk about things like so many things they don't talk about. So I just want you to join us, come be with George and I. But today George is not with me. So when the cat's away, the mice will play and I just want to be with my girlfriends. I guess gentlemen, if you are listening, which I imagine you will be. Just join us for a little bit of girl talk. So I thought I'd answer some questions that uh, my friends ask and my female clients ask and just kind of talk you through some of the issues that might be coming up for you. First thing I get asked all the time is, what do I do in menopause when my desire is lower? First of all, I would say, yes, menopause changes things hormonally, right? We have lower estrogen, which really means lubrication is a little more difficult. And our vaginal tissue, our labial tissue is a little thinner. So please, please, please check with your doctor about whether or not you can use estrogen. I just, there are so few contraindications for a woman to use vaginal estrogen and that helps tremendously. It also helps with bladder infections because it kind of plumps up that tissue around your urethra. So think about that first. But obviously without estrogen and with lower testosterone, yeah, you know, your physiological desire is going to be lower. But I mean, how much lower can it get? Because hormonally, we're just, 
We're not even pushed as young women to feel physiological desire. I know we do, and I know what it's like, but I really think much of it is driven in our minds with fantasy. You wake up and you're thinking about the guy, and you're imagining the party, and all of that excitement builds. And it builds in your body as well. And I think this is one of the reasons why women, when they get into a steady partnership or they get married, experience lower desire because, you know, they're getting stuff done. They're not spending all that time fantasizing. And in menopause, we have kind of the combination, right, of, okay, now we may be busy. I am busier than ever, than ever. I do so much at this point in my life, you know, kind of freed from child-rearing responsibilities. But I will say that my desire is just as high and my orgasms are way better. So how do you do that? First of all, I think you have to prioritize the self. And that is one thing I think after raising children, I really got a hold of. And I wish I had done it earlier. And I know some women did. But I exercise more than I ever have. Uh, I lift weights. And that's that doesn't have to necessarily do with my sense of desire, but it does put me in touch with my body, with the way my body moves, with how good I feel in my body, because I think many times in menopause, we stop feeling as good. If you are not on hormone replacement therapy, HT, then... First of all, again, go back to your gynecologist and see if that is a possibility. But hormones kind of make you feel good, not just having sexual desire, but they make you so you're not so creaky. And that's one of the things I notice if I forget a week or something. And trust me, there are times that I run out or, uh, you know, whatever, and I'm off my hormones for a week or something. And suddenly my whole body is creaky. But with desire, I think prioritizing the self, I do other things too. It's like I take time for me. I take time to be by myself, something that I never really thought I would need. I think that prioritizing the self, taking time for yourself, really makes it more possible to enter into a sexual relationship. If sex is just something that you're doing to kind of check off your list, you know, and You haven't had adequate time to be by yourself to do the things that please you. Then there's like this resentment. I'm doing something for someone else. And trust me, I don't think about sex as doing something for someone else. Sex for me has always been about pleasure, enjoyment, relaxation. It's kind of like entering this state, this state of mind that... All the other things in the world, all the cares of the world just kind of melt away. And I still do that. So think about when you want to have sex and how do you make your partner happy if they want to have sex still three times a week and you're like, wow, you know, my desire only prompts me maybe once a month. Well, I think that you got to set up the conditions right. And I think as I've aged, I tell my partner even more about what I need and what I want. I talk about that this is the way that works best for me. And for me, going out to dinner and drinking and 
coming home and thinking I'm going to make love is is a no-go. I, I don't even like to do that. You know, I really like us in early evening to have maybe a little bit to eat, a little bit to drink, and then make love while we're really fresh, while we have that energy still. That's That's my best time or in the morning. And I love making love in the morning because we're both just – completely relaxed. The day hasn't started. You know, if you want, you can hop in the shower, use a shower wand so that you feel fresh, all of that. But I think morning time, it's like my body is just kind of languid and lying there and it's a great time. So keeping desire up is a little bit about being a little more selfish, honestly, about what you need. And it's okay because in a sexual relationship. We have to have both parts. We have to have that ruthless part that is selfish. We also have to have that part that is giving. But my experience with menopausal women is they're almost always overbalanced on the give and underbalanced on the selfish piece, the piece that gets something for themselves. So I want to highly encourage you to get what you need, to voice what you need, to talk about it with your partner and say, this is really the conditions that are best for me. And make sure that that happens a couple times a month. And maybe then there's more responsiveness. And I I talk to women all the time, what turns you on in menopause? What turns you on? And I think that for many women, it is a direct touch. It's often they're more touch-oriented than they are talk-oriented. So it's really when their partner comes up and starts stroking their arms, their legs, maybe their butt, you know, and doesn't necessarily go for the erogenous zones right away, but starts talking to them about how beautiful they are and being reassuring. And that can be a deeply, deeply reassuring turn on. So I I would say first, talk about it certainly with your partner. I think desire is in the mind. I think it's always been in the mind for us as women all the time. You know, we just, we don't have enough testosterone in when, even when we're young to, to really fund and push our bodies toward it. So in menopause, I think bringing in the fantasies, the mind, and what is the best turn on? What is the best memory? Actually cultivating that and thinking about that and then maybe initiating a couple times a month with that, that makes you an initiating partner some of the time, not all of the time. And I talk to girlfriends who say, you know, I I don't initiate. I never initiate. I think in partnership, we have to remember that our partner wants to feel wanted. So think about that. You know, it's a loving thing to do. And I know it's scary. I know it's risky. But Trust me, your partner is probably not going to say no to that. That's going to be very exciting. So do that. Okay, another question I get is, how do I use a vibrator? Ah, a vibrator. So first, it depends on what kind you have. There's a bunch of kinds out there. There's the wand kind that used to be sold by Sharper Image. And I think they've gone out of business because they stopped selling that uh, vibrator because it was a good one. Um, There's kind of the lipstick ones that are small, and some of them have a lot of power. And then there's ones like the rabbit that you can use internally. I know that most women don't actually use vibrators internally because that's not how they come, right? Most women don't climax through vaginal stimulation. 
But whichever kind you use, and if you're a first-time user, this is what I want you to do. First, just get used to it. So turn it on. Listen to it. Make sure you have privacy. Make sure your partner is gone. Your children are out of the house, for heaven's sakes. And just see what it's like. Maybe leave it running and walk out of your room and shut the door. And then listen. Can you hear it? Go downstairs. Can you hear it? I think anxiety about being discovered is a huge detractor from women using vibrators. So just run around your house and see with the vibrator lying on your bed on upstairs in your bedroom, you know, do you even hear it? You can't. Most of them, you cannot hear it. So that's one. I think the second thing is use it on different parts of your body. Use it on your legs, your back. Get used to how it feels because maybe it's really intense and you want to just know what you're getting into. Maybe it's too intense. Buy two or three kinds of vibrators. Girlfriend, it's like 60 or 70% of American women use vibrators. And why not? Because it shortens the time that it takes to get aroused And it shortens the time from when you are aroused to when you can reach orgasm. So it's a great tool, especially, I think, in menopause. And this is not all about menopause, but, you know, it does take longer in menopause. I have so many of you, so many of you come and tell me, you know, Lori, it takes me so long. I'm like, how long does it take you? And they'll be like, oh, it takes me 15 minutes. I'm like, girlfriend, it takes an average woman 45 minutes. 45 minutes from pull the sheets down to orgasm. Seriously, it does. I promise you that. I promise, promise, promise that I'm telling you the truth. And that's just with sort of slow touching, general arousal, all the way to direct clitoral stimulation to reach orgasm. Most women need like 15 minutes of oral sex or stimulation. And most women can't reach orgasm with oral sex if it starts too early. So, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm I got I to gotta go back to vibrators. So, okay, vibrators. Uh, next thing I want you to do is pull up a quilt and put the vibrator on your vulva. So not directly on the lady bits, not directly on your clitoris or your labia, but sort of more up on the mons, which is kind of the fatty pad that is above your labia. So just put it there, see what the vibration feels like, get used to it. This is not like something that happens overnight. Using a vibrator, you need to take a little bit of time with it. So you're not alone. Everybody is a little weird about using a vibrator the first time. So so don't don't worry about it. It's it's normal, but it's a great toy. It's a great sex toy, and I want you to learn how to do it. Okay, next, I do want you to use a lubricant especially if you are menopausal because your tissue gets a little thinner and vibrators that maybe worked when you were in your 40s and 50s, you know, later 50s, 60s, they might be too much or you just need to use them differently, definitely with a lubricant. The other thing I want you to do is I want you to use it with your mind turned on. Okay, so Ah, you know, if you're not thinking sexy thoughts, if you're all anxious and uptight, I'm using a vibrator, I'm using a vibrator, I don't know if this is okay. It's okay. It's totally okay. I mean, I've even had very religious people tell me 
it's okay to use a vibrator. Why? Because vibrators were invented after the Bible. They were invented after the rules, and there are no rules often about using a vibrator. I think husbands and male partners sometimes get anxious. Like, what do you mean you want to use a vibrator? Because they kind of think that it's going to substitute for their penis, and it's going to be better than their penis. And indeed, penises cannot vibrate. But that's really not the way women use it. I mean, women use it for oftentimes to increase clitoral stimulation. Next step is I want you to put it sort of on the top of your clitoris. So that's like where the root is, not near the glands, but right at the apex where the outer labia meets your clitoris. Okay, and I kind of want you to press down there because that is sort of the deeper root beginning place of your clitoris. And then I want you to think sexy thoughts. So maybe read an erotica book, something, or imagine you and your partner, you know, what you're going to do in bed that night. Maybe imagine a memory of that was really great sexually, or maybe let your mind go just a little bit and think of the sexiest thing you can think of. So do that and then press that vibrator down. And then as you get more aroused, I want you to bring it more directly to the glands of your clitoris, the little P part of your clitoris that is usually covered by the pupus, which is the hood, and just kind of put it there for a little bit. If it's too intense, for heaven's sakes, take it off. Maybe use vibration through the side of your outer labia because that will kind of pad the vibration and make it a little bit softer for you. Maybe leave your underwear on just because it adds a bit of protection from that vibration, especially if you have thinner tissue. Again, try to remember, right, the right side of the clitoris, if you've had children, is often more sensitive than the left side. Just just a little tip, especially if we have children vaginally. There's kind of like a stretch wound that is very common that happens And the nerves often on the right side of the clitoris are better preserved and have more sensitivity. So try the vibrator there. Okay, have I done enough for you? The other thing I would recommend is please use it with your partner. Please use it with your partner so that the two of you can have fun. If he's threatened by it, you know, listen to this podcast. I think George would say over and over, you know, please use a vibrator. And I think he says that on, you know, a few episodes. If you... If you want me to figure out which episode that is, I'll I'll make him say it the next episode so that we just get that in there. But I think that that helps. And with your partner, try using it on top. And women say, well, how do you do that? It's almost like you're having intercourse and you kind of have to scoop your body a little bit and then position the vibrator so that it is kind of back on the clitoris. Some men like vibration, so that might be a great thing for him. Um, It might be too direct on his penis. So, you know, you have to play with that. I would recommend for the first time with a partner, use one of more of the lipstick-shaped, the lipstick-sized vibrators, because that, you know, you can kind of maneuver a little bit easier. Okay, I'm going to come right back. Again, the lubricant I recommend to use with a vibrator is Uber Lube. Find uberlube.com 
and use the coupon foreplay. It is silicone based. It is a wonderful lubricant. I have people and I've been recommending it forever, not just because they sponsor us, but I am so grateful for their sponsorship for us on the podcast. But really, I have had two people this week tell me, you're right, Uberlube is really great. I'm like, right, right. It's silicone, so it doesn't get gummy. And so many of the other water-based lubricants get gummy. They don't feel good. Some of them you get allergic to. I don't like them. This one, I've never heard a bad report. It won't stain your sheets. It is something that you can even use in water, which I didn't know, but it doesn't wash off in water. So that could make like jacuzzi sex really, really fun. So try that. Again, uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay that helps us at the podcast. Please order some travel ones. You know, summer's coming. So order some of those travel packs that you can take so that you take it and it doesn't get all over your clothes like some of the lubricants do. And, you know, maybe just put it in a plastic bag for safekeeping. But uberlube.com foreplay is the coupon. Thanks so much. Okay, May 20th is our couple's retreat. So great sex, great love. You can find it on our website on foreplayradiosextherapy.com. And we just invite you as a couple to come and join us on May 20th. It's Friday. It's all day. We talk all about sex. We talk about everything. And we do it in a way that's safe and not embarrassing. But if you come, you will have conversations you've never had before. Yes. So May 20th, again, great sex, great love. Please join us. Come on. Lori, really excited about the Success and Vulnerability Project. We are really pushing the leading edges of therapy and breaking down the process and in moment, session by session, choice points. Why does this work? What intervention are you using? If it works, what do you do next? I mean, this is the next level for therapists. If you want to up your game, you want to see real clinical examples, you want to break down the process, you want demonstrations, you want teaching. I mean, it's all there. Really exciting, good stuff. It is. I love it. It is good. I love what you guys do teaching and the demonstrations. They're fun. They're funny. And they're really helpful to my work. So this is training for therapists. If you'd like this training, go to successinvulnerability.com. It's all one word, successinvulnerability.com. Okay, the next question I'm asked, and I think that hangs women up so much, is their body image. I mean, so many women are so beautiful that I see, and they think I'm super thin, and I don't have enough breast tissue. It's like, right, because super thin, you know, you're not going to have so much breast tissue, but you're going to look like a damn model. Or I've gotten heavier in middle age, and I'm not sure if my partner is attracted to me. I I was working with a couple, and they're just wonderful people. And she was saying, and, you know, she was just a beautiful woman. And she's like, yeah, but I don't like this middle. I don't like this middle. And I said, oh, you know, maybe wear a half slip or something. And And the husband said, absolutely not. I love the way her body looks, and I want to be able to touch all of it. I just think, you know, skin on skin is so sexy, and I think that confidence is kind of the sexiest thing. I really I really want you all to feel so good about your bodies and to feel so good about the power of what they can do in bed. 
the pleasure that you can have, let alone the pleasure you can bring your partner. I just, I know it's a struggle. I mean, people say, oh, you know, they can't see me. And, you know, well, you must feel so good about it because you exercise. It's like, look at girlfriend. I got lots of areas here. I got some areas that I really like and some that I don't. And I just think we need to learn to focus and screen out some of that self-criticism more than anything in the world. We need to screen out the criticism about our bodies in order to enjoy sex. And I just, I really encourage you to practice, to focus, maybe do a meditation or something where you, you know, enjoy parts and pieces of your body that bring you pleasure. I mean, don't think about your breasts being imperfect, too big, too small. There's nothing that's perfect. I can just assure you that almost every woman I talk to, you know, struggles. So please put that aside just for me for one one sexual episode. See how much more enjoyment you can get from your own body. Okay, so that's one thing I want you to try. What do you do if your partner has ED or premature ejaculation and you feel something about it? It's disappointing, right? Because... I mean, first of all, I think let's let's take ED, what you might be able to do. It's not your fault. I also think that getting angry, expressing disappointment is going to lead to more ED. So disciplining yourself to sort of not do that and encouraging them to get help. Most psychogenic ED is basically going to get worse the more attention that's drawn to it. I think You know, one of the things that you can say is like, you know, baby, it's just not your night, but it's my night. And maybe have them go down on you and give you an orgasm or get out the vibrator and have him put his fingers inside you or do something that is your night only, right? Because many times women give men quickies. They don't have an expectation for orgasms. And I think just saying, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Let's let's work on me. You know, sometimes the man then gets hard and sometimes he doesn't. And I think if you make it like flexible, it's okay if you don't get hard. It's okay. We can still enjoy being together and having sex. And if he is getting out of bed, feeling humiliated and getting angry with himself, I think you need to say, you know what? There are many times that it would be lovely, just absolutely lovely for me to be the focus. And I know When your penis isn't working, you are the focus. And George has beaten it into my head how badly men feel about this and how preoccupying it is. But I would say to your partner, like, look at maybe this is just kind of like a rhythm. And if it doesn't work for you, that means it's my night. And it means that it's time for me to have different experiences And maybe you try a bunch of different things that night. You know, I know some of you climaxed with sexual intercourse. God love you. You stood in front of the line when God passed it out. Uh, And I'm, I'm happy for you. And so I can understand the deep disappointment. And right, if you're having your partner have ED every single time, you're not getting that intimate connection. So totally get that, how disappointing that would be. And that really... You know, you need to put your foot down and say, we, we need to go to a sex therapist and resolve this and send him first to the urologist. Low T 
is one marker that often results in poorer erections or ED. So you, you want to get his testosterone checked and have him talk to his urologist. I would ask if you could go with him. I would be so careful. I would be, can I say that again? So careful about the way I talk to his doctor about what it's like or any of my frustration. I would be all about how can we make this better? So maybe it's testosterone and maybe it's time, you know, absolutely Viagra. Uh, doctors give out Viagra like candy and I'm not a physician, so I'm, I'm not saying whether your husband qualifies or not, but most men do. I've had men who were patients who, you know, had heart disease and their doctors are giving them Viagra every day of the week. And so, I mean, talk to the doctor and I would, I would say, look at, you know, it's no big deal. I think where women get hung up is their own disappointment, their own sense of obviously wanting intercourse. But also, I think the biggest hang up is it wasn't like that when we were younger. And they're using the erection to like a flag. You know, this means he desires me. And it's like, probably not. Desire is very separate from arousal for all of us, you know, he may get aroused and feel it subjectively, and his penis is not listening to his brain, so he's not getting an erection. But he has desire for you. He has arousal for you. I know if you can't see it and you can't feel it, that's going to be disappointing. But I would say most ED is fixable. Psychogenic, that means it's in their brain. It's in their mind. That one requires tact. And a bit of like problem solving and just say, hey, you know, I've noticed the last three times we made love, you have a little trouble with erections and that's no big deal, baby, because you make me feel so good. And I just love being next to you in your body. But I also want to feel you in, on the inside, too. So let's go to the urologist about this. Make it light. Don't make it angry. Don't make it serious make it light. You know, and I'm a pursuer, you know, I'm a pursuer. So I'm trying to tell you kind of best practice. Okay. What if your guy has premature ejaculation? So, you know, he comes inside you and he comes too quickly and you don't have that sense of connection, even if you don't climax that way. I know a lot of women like about five to eight minutes of sexual intercourse. Men, they think it should be 15 minutes. And oh my God, you know, most women would be worn out in 15 minutes, their tissue would be raw. So if premature ejaculation is the deal, and you want to help him fix it, first of all, I would say, you know, let's let's do you first. Let's uh, masturbate you and have you climax that way first. And then maybe an hour later, let's make love. Because if he has climaxed first, or you can say, you know, baby, take it to the showers <laughs> for, for just a little bit first. Uh, and then come back in and do you. Remember, I want you to be a little bit ruthless for yourself. That doesn't mean you're selfish because I know so many of you out there are giving, loving sexual partners as well as giving to your families and probably wearing yourselves out. So, you know, just say, look, at, let's have you climax first, like within an hour. And then the second time, especially if he's young, he'll probably be able to last longer. 
And I think that it's an easy fix. You know, there's a lot of episodes we have on here on how to fix premature ejaculation. You can listen to that. But it's kind of progressive. It's like first you want to touch him and have him climax and kind of learn how to be touched, slow it down when he gets close, then give him oral sex. And that's a really exciting touch for a lot of men. Actually, though, just for the record, just for the record, a lot of men cannot climax through oral sex. It's just not the right movement. They're not thrusting, so they can't climax that way. So anyway, you know, slow it down with oral sex and then have him put his penis inside your vagina and just stay there. No moving. Maybe learn to squeeze him with your kegels so that he can feel really excited. And maybe he can climax that way and tell him, I want you to climax this way without moving. I mean, have some fun with this. And then um, maybe, you know, you say you you get five thrusts, that's it. And then you got to stay still. Make it a game. Make it fun. If you can stay playful about this, he is less likely to climax quickly. Men climax because they get anxious, really. They get anxious that they're coming too soon. And they get ED because they're anxious that they're going to lose their erection. Anxiety is a killer. And you know right? If you're hovering above the bed going, oh, it's not my night. I'm not coming. I'm I'm not getting anywhere. That's anxiety for you too. So again, pull out the vibrator, girlfriend. Or for him, just say, you know, it's okay. We're going to work on this. We're going to do this systematically and we're going to, you know, help you. It's no big deal. I think the less tension you give him, the better it is. And is that fair if it's been a 10-year problem, I I can understand your frustration. I can. But if it's been a 10-year problem, the both of you needed to go to a sex therapist. Okay. So anyway, you guys, thanks for listening and keep it hot, girlfriend. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.